Hi, everybody. Welcome to our July Community Wise podcast hosted by Lisk of Greater Kansas City. I am Holly Long, your host. And today um, we have a special guest. His name is Brian Roberts, better known as Mr. Black Pantry himself, <laughs> is in the building. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with Black Pantry. Um, this is gonna be a wonderful discussion into how community development can transition um, into, I would say, using our local resources and shopping local. And so this is our July podcast and it is National Independent Retailer Month. <laughs> and of course, Brian is a, a, a local re retailer here in Kansas City, Missouri. So Brian, welcome to Thank our podcast. Yes. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit about the Black Pantry and the inception of it and where you're going. Um, I, I kind of came up with the idea when I had moved back to Kansas City from California. I saw a lot of the development that was happening in Kansas City. Um, but then when I go to support a lot of the black businesses, there was very few or lack thereof in all these trendy upcoming spaces. Um, and then also, you know, wanting to support black businesses and buy, buy black products, there wasn't a space that really encompassed um, the black identity mm -hmm. at a well-elevated and curated type of space like I was finding in areas like the Crossroads or like right now, you know, my shop is here in Martini Corner. Mm -hmm. um, I see downtown development going, Lenexa, Overland Park, all these areas are, are really growing, but there was nothing that really represented um, any of the other cultures, whether it's black, Asian, Hispanic. So from my point of view, um, you know, being a black man and wanting to spend my money, you know, in areas that I felt um, reflected me and my people, um, it wasn't there. So, you know, I kind of kicked it around for a little bit. You know how we always kind of complain mm -hmm. about somebody needs to create something. My wife was like, you either need to create it or you need to shut up. Hello. So I figured it out. I mean, you know, with with a lot of help from from the community. I mean, it just, it took off. I, I had a custom trailer built, um, sought out some of the products that I knew that, that I liked, that a lot of people were after, that was trending on social media and on the internet. Like what? Um, um, so, like, one of the first brands that I reached out uh, for was, like, it's a Trade Street Jam. Um, uh -huh. She's out of Brooklyn. Uh, yeah. She was a, she was a, uh, or she still is a chef, but she would make jams on the side. I just, I love her brand and I love her personality. She's a great person. Her name is Ashley. Um, you know, I reached out to her. That was one of the first brands. And, you know, it just kind of, she was kind of like the, the bar for me. Um, and then I just started seeking other um, avenues. Right then, when I started, this is right during the holidays. Um, so a lot of posts were being put up as far as, you know, follow these black businesses, yeah. black products to buy. Yeah. It was just a lot of legwork. I mean, everybody was just, it was kind of, um, they were just throwing a bunch of names in a hat and, you know, you just pick from whatever was in the pile. Um, so I would dig through the pile of hashtags and through different communities and seeing what black products were um, being, and, and businesses that were being conducted at a high level and started doing that. And I started doing pop-ups with all those businesses that I saw and that I spoke of earlier that, they were trendy. They were in the cool spaces. Everybody was spending money. 
Um, and this is during COVID. So, you know, the way I went about it, I think was, was pretty savvy that I was able to navigate around some of these COVID restrictions and still have a safe place to shop and, and promote my business. So when you and I talked yesterday about what List does and List nationally as well as List locally in Kansas City. And you know we are a community development organization. Um, and let's see. Yeah. Um, oh, there you go. I thought I lost you. As you know, we're... No, I'm here. Okay, cool. As you know, we're a community development um, financial institution, right? And a lot of our development is based in what we call, and I'm using air quotes, the urban core. I, I wish mm. one day we find a better word for it, you know. But how do you see what you are doing as a, a black entrepreneur supporting um, community development in the urban core? And what do you see going forward? What is like your overarching vision? If you could just take a while, like, you know, this is what I want to do uh, with your long-term vision of Black Pantry. What would that be? Um, I think what, as, as I'm building this and I'm running into people, the core of what I'm doing is, is people just want to have spaces where they can build a community that looks like them at an elevated level. Um, right. There, there are businesses in, in the urban core which I feel we could say urban core and it doesn't, sometimes it has that negative stigma to it, but you know, we're in the, the, the heart of the city. And unfortunately the money is not at this point in time being invested at the same level um, with the same intention as other parts of the city. For sure. Um, so a lot of, you know, not even just black people, Hispanics, a lot of the, mm -hmm. the various cultures, there aren't spaces that are built from us. Mm -hmm. Um, for strategic reasons, um, for sure. you know, we have we have our limitations, but I feel like we can overcome that. Um, so my, my ultimate goal is, you know, as I look at some of these other businesses that are trendy, um, just looking at how the, what what is the city like? What does the city want? Mm -hmm. Black people spend their money in all these trendy places, places Absolutely. that really aren't necessarily built for them. Mm -hmm. So we go in there and we kind of tiptoe and we don't feel like we can just be us in our spaces um and you know we kind of look at these business owners we could tell when we walk in the music is a little bit different mm -hmm. you know the eyes get to turning and we'll still can we'll still spend our money there because you know we make good money we want to spend our money in in nice places we want to do nice things mm -hmm. but these businesses aren't necessarily built with us in mind Right. So my goal is to build and grow the Black Pantry into a, a larger space where we can have community, where we can come in and we can look at art that's on the walls that look like us. We could see books on the shelves that look like us. We could have food and, you know, just partake in things that are from us. That way we can have our little feel for home. I see a lot of places throughout the city being built that don't look like Kansas City. Right. Um, to make people feel like they're in other places. Yep. For us, I think we just need to start with something that looks like black Kansas city mm -hmm. at a highly curated and elevated um, environment. That's nice, clean, trendy music is, you know, with our vibe that, mm -hmm. you know, is family oriented, but also 
you know, my space is very inclusive and diverse. Mm -hmm. So if you ever come into the Black Pantry and I host pop-ups um, and different things, you'll see white people, you'll see Hispanics, yeah. you'll see all walks of life because I want everyone to feel included, but from the perspective of the Black Kansas City um, community. Well, I'll say I popped in there yesterday um, and I, I love the aesthetic and I love how you keep using these keywords of highly curated. I love that. Um, and when I walked in, I was like, okay, I see you, Brian. And I just looked around. And then of course I was looking at some of your customers and I was the only black woman in there. I was like, okay, Ryan, Ryan. Yes. I called you Ryan. Cause my husband's name is Brian. So I was like, okay, I see you, you know, and I think that's also the mark of when you can transcend cultures. Mm -hmm. And like, then I saw your Nipsey Hustle book. I was like, oh gosh, my Ryan would flip out. Yes. <laughs> and so it's just kind of like that whole, that whole vibe. It transcends cultures, ages, things of that nature. If it's relatable, it's relatable. And that's what I felt when I walked in there. I felt at home. I felt welcome. I mean, of course, at home. I felt like my money mattered. And right. being a professional Black woman in this world who, you know, makes a, a substantial, you know, a nice amount of money, I want to, I'm very intentional about where I spend my money, mm -hmm. especially in places that will, um, feed the ecosystem of of my community, you know, that we can help create generational wealth for the Roberts family. You know what I mean? Because because right, right. sure as you're doing it for you, we gonna eventually do it for the Long family. We're gonna, you know, it. That's how it happens. And mm -hmm. so um, I I'm so grateful that you have come up with this concept and you were executing and you said right. that you got started during COVID. What were mm -hmm. some of your back office challenges um, with, and, and just even your business um, concept, how to execute it? Cause I talked to you a little bit about what List does with our business development organization. And, and that's when we have our ecosystem of um, micro enterprises typically owned by pe persons of color. Um, and how we're trying to create generational wealth um, that can be passed down. And, and so I was thinking like, how did you overcome any back office issues or what are you doing to in your back office? I mean, honestly, when I first started, there was no thought. It was all just reaction. Mm. Um, so I never had business in mind per se. Um, it was just a reaction like, you know, this is a great time to do this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pull the trigger and I'll figure out the rest later. Oh, wow. um, I didn't want to be so focused on back office, this and that, and the concept not even stick. Yeah. So I wanted to focus on the core of, do I have something? Um, I believed I did. So, you know, I've, everything that I've, I've done, everything I've created has been out of my own pocket. And it was just a straight hustle. So now that I'm seeing uh, uh, with the with the pop ups, immediately when I when I hit the street, I knew I had something. The first pop up was okay. I was excited. It was the first time that I took a concept from my head and turned it into money. Yeah. And it was the best feeling in the world. Um, and it was scary. I'm not gonna lie. It was the most scariest thing. I mean, because I put up a lot of money. 
in the beginning. And then every time I showed up, it, it became better and better and better. And then I started to get a following. And this is within six weeks, seven weeks, maybe. Wow. Um, I developed a following where people were following me around. And like how you said, when you see the product, the product doesn't scream only for black people. It does not. Um, and I, I always make a post to, to make fun of people when they say that, because I hear people say, well, isn't that for black people? No, it's not. And it was my intention, and I'm going to steal your words, to transcend mm -hmm. generations and races and all of that, mm -hmm. to show that we have product of high level, that it's good or cool for everyone. Yeah. Because I want to create a, a, a ecosystem for black people to not only get, I, want, I don't want it to sound bad, but not only to take money from and exchange it with black people, but I want to be able to get money from any and everyone who's willing to spend it in our location. Yeah. So I can't do that if I'm selling only black pride products. Gotcha. So you'll come in and you'll have like the great cocktail mixers and body butters and uh -huh. teas and snacks. Like everybody eats this stuff uh -huh. and it's so good. You're going to come back. Right. And then it's so inclusive that everybody wants to be a part of it or see what it's like, or they feel like, you know, they're a part of the story as they watch me grow. So then now that I have this partnership with Made in KC. They reached out. Well, actually, I reached out to them yeah, for this opportunity because I, I knew the location. I knew this was a the mm -hmm. this part of the city reflects what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. So they extended it and they said, hey, we'll help you overcome some of these hurdles. So I'm in a, a position that most business owners, um, most business owners don't get. Right now, uh, everything that I make goes back into the business. I don't have to take a livable wage out of it. Um, so I'm reinvesting to grow and get more products, host more events. Mm -hmm. um, and now that I see, like, I still kind of consider this a concept mm -hmm. because I want to see in a brick and mortar space, how does this work? How do I impact the city? Mm -hmm. Now that I'm growing and I see that I have something, now I'm starting to start looking at my back end look at the books, like how do I grow this as a business, as a real entrepreneur and not just, you know, your day-to-day -day hustler, you know, like I can just, I can grow a business organically. I can hire people, put people in position, create jobs and span the city. Maybe I'll open up two or three more of these throughout the metropolitan area. Wow. So let's talk about your vendors, right? You were saying you have a diverse <laughs> set of vendors because, I, and I absolutely, a hundred and ten thousand percent agree with you just because it's for black people doesn't necessarily mean it's only for black people right and the vice versa just because it's something is mainstream doesn't make it better than something else you know what i mean so i think mm -hmm. there's so many um mental constructs that we have to break down and i think that society is slowly breaking down right now uh, just right. with the um the natural progression of the events of last summer with the murder of George Floyd and just the racial reckoning that I hope that everybody is truly taking it to heart. Um, so with that being said, talk to me about your vendors, right? So you said you diversify and then you have some black owned businesses or vendors in there. What would you say would be the most popular, your most popular vendors? And, and then for instance, this is my own personal plug. When can we get the McBride sisters? Can we do a pop-up with them or something? You know what? <laughs> you know what? So, <laughs> I, I, 
I'll, I'll give I'll touch back on that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so with the with the products that I sell, mm-hmm. the products that I sell are, are all black products. Okay. Um, all the vendors are black from all over the country. Okay. And it, it's a little it's it's challenging to do the amount of research to find products that are at that level of quality. Yes. And or have the ability to um, do wholesale. Mm-hmm. Some people are scared to step into that world because that means you're growing outside of your comfort zone. Not everyone is ready for that. Another challenge that I'm having with some of the vendors is that some of them don't even promote that they're a black owned business or a black owned product um, because they kind of they kind of want to steer around that stigma because uh, they they produce product for everyone. Mm-hmm. And they I would assume that they are looking to avoid the same thing that I'm running into is like, okay, well, you're promoting that you're black owned. Is this only for black people? Which Mm -hmm. is a sad, you know, it's sad when I hear that, that you would think that I would exclude you. Like what race would exclude someone else from participating in anything? Mm -hmm. But anyway, so. (laughs) We could go uh, down a rabbit hole right there. (laughs) So, I mean, so all my vendors are, are all the products that I sell are black makers from all over the country. But then also when I host pop-ups, mm-hmm. I host and bring in small, like what well, we call them micro businesses. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. So they don't have a home. They just do pop-ups. They're trying to find a little space that's, you know, and I try to create some buzz around them. I don't charge them any vendor fees. I also curate the, the vendors. So, you know, I don't just do one person. I might do two or three. I'll make sure that they match, you know, same energy um, and they can diversify the people who who come in here. So you'll have, you know, Hispanic business, a woman business, a black male, you know, and they all have their followings. And now they're, they're, um, their followings are crossing over and they're discovering new product. Mm-hmm. Um, so within that space, you know, you, whenever I hold some of these events, like I did a, a female foodie pop-up, what was it, two weeks ago? You know, women's of all walks of life who just, they have pies, protein balls, pizzas, Mm -hmm. um, and then all their followings come in and then they discover new products. So it's very an inclusive environment when you come in here. Um, And that's been intentional because when I was really growing at the, at the, when I was doing my pop-ups, it wasn't just black businesses that were supporting me. Of course. And I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was coming out and they were excited, you know, so. I make sure that I stay within that space. And also I'm being respectful of the products that I do sell because they don't exclude themselves from anyone. They want to sell to, you know, I try to mirror their target market also. Mm-hmm. So I can en- encompass and embody what, what their vision is also. So what would you say to any of our listeners who are inspiring to be an entrepreneur and, and trying to run a micro enterprise and or have bigger hopes to eventually have different different um, locations uh, around the city or even nationwide or globally. What advice would you have for them? I would say based on my experience, mm-hmm. make sure that you have something. Um, I know entrepreneurship is popular. Starting a business is popular. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to. You have to, and I, my opinion is you have to fill a need in this new space of becoming a, a business owner. And it's more than just opening up a business. 
what, what intention do you serve? And is there a need for your intention? If you can find that gap, there's, you know, and those gaps are everywhere. Right. Some are bigger, some are smaller. But if you can find that gap, that problem, that solution, um, and fill that, then that's, you know, you can, okay, let me start with the micro business. Mm -hmm. Let me see if I can build a relationship with the Black Pantry or Made in KC or mm -hmm. all these other people who, these groups who are hosting um, pop-ups, reach out to them to see if you can just do a pop-up so you can test market your idea mm -hmm. before you start pouring all your heart, soul, and finances into these businesses. Um, because I've taken a shot at a couple of things and they didn't even get off the ground. And I mm -hmm. see and hear a lot of that. Um, just people want to have businesses that call themselves bosses, but you know, are, are you, are you feeling a need? It costs to be the boss. Yeah. And, and it, it does. Yeah. Um, but you know, just if you have a, if you think you found a need or a gap in the game, you know, test it first before you put a lot of energy and a lot of money into it. And I don't mean with your friends and family because mm -hmm. they're the first ones to, to gas you up and, and support you, whether it's good or bad. You yeah. need to know that, okay, my idea doesn't work in the real world mm -hmm. or this does work in the real world. Um, so just start there. I mean, I, I everybody, as far as Kansas City is concerned, it's a great place to start a business. Everybody's super supportive. Um, everybody wants to host and create energy around small businesses. Mm -hmm. So just test market your, your idea before you try to go full scale. In closing, because we're at our 20 some odd minute mark, um, what are your closing thoughts on shopping local and the importance of keeping everything in our ecosystem? Um, and and if you make it, let's say you, you come on the come up, right? And you make it into like, you know, nationwide. Is that technically selling out because you now no longer shop in local because you are a chain or what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, because I'm involved in these conversations a lot, I, I have a different take on shopping local. Some people, they, they define it differently. For sure. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, so for example, Made in KC is a local business that has host local businesses. Mm -hmm. I'm not the same. Right. So when you, yes, I am a local business, but the product that I sell is not local. For sure. Um, just like if, if you go to a boutique, a boutique, people will go and say, I'm going to shop at this, I'm going to support local, I'm going to shop at this boutique. Mm -hmm. But they're getting their items from L.A., from China, from all exactly. these other places. Exactly. Um, so sometimes I see a lot of these local businesses, they, they all kind of, they want, everybody wants to support Kansas City. Kansas City loves Kansas City. That's right. I always say it's like Kanye loves Kanye. Exactly. Like, it's, it's crazy. crazy. <laughs> but I also see the long term of that. Like you're there. You're not. Yes, you're supporting these long business, these businesses. Mm -hmm. But long term, is that sustainable when every business is selling the same stuff? Exactly. Right. So I think you can kind of if you don't have a, a long game vision, um, it's going to be challenging, especially you know, just as we, the black community is feeling the gentrification or revitalization mm -hmm. of the city, Kansas City as a whole is also feeling the gentrification and revitalization from outside investments. Mm -hmm. So these outside investments aren't going to care as much about your Kansas City stuff. So, mm -hmm. I mean, you really got to be savvy um, with the business that you're creating 
and making sure you're you're truly supporting um, local businesses. But these local businesses really have to start to become unique because I do notice a lot of local businesses are starting to look look the same. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why it's important for the black community, as creative as we are, we need to represent ourselves even more because we can diversify the game just by being authentically us. There's right. not a, there's never enough black businesses within any within any metropolitan city. For sure. So a lot of these other businesses, you know, it's so saturated that they're starting to create businesses that look like other places in the world just so they can be unique. So but I, I always, you know, supporting local, supporting people that, you know, I, I couldn't have built this without the local business community, you know, hosting me, giving me business advice, directing me in the right direction. So I'll always support local because they have always supported me. Dope. Any other comments you want to say before we wrap up? Yeah, you're uh, your black girl magic. Uh-huh. Yes. Yes. I'm working on it. Come on, McBride sisters. So, unfortunately, so I, um, I, I applied for a liquor license. It got denied. I'm still working on it. I think I might be able to overcome it with some relationships that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually I'll get there um, because the, the space that I want to embody is going to be it's going to be dope. Like I said, this is a concept for me. Mm-hmm. Um, every step of the way, I'm trying to prove and expand my creativity and see what I can really make out of this, how I can make this feel black and inclusive. Um, mm-hmm. And it's going to be including your McBride sisters wine. Yeah. Um, so you can come and chill and look at black art and hear black music and, you know, bring your white friends into a black uh-huh. space and they feel safe just like you feel safe. And for sure, you know, that's, oh, that's the next move. You know, one thing I did not ask you about is your your art collection and mm-hmm. the art. How does that Local artist? OK. Yeah. So I I had this idea of doing like murals all on my wall and, you know, kind of how like crossroads looks mm-hmm. you know, there's murals everywhere mm-hmm. but you know as i was looking how my pockets was feeling i'm like i don't know if i got enough money to yeah. you know do all that so you know I, I was walking into different spaces and i was like okay well maybe i'll just do some consignment art you know i'll give artists a, a home for their um for their work it can live on the wall i didn't realize that i was going to sell as much art as i've been selling mm-hmm. people come in during these events and they they recognize the local artists, you know, they're all, all local, um, three different artists up there mm-hmm. and people, I, you know, I sell more, more art than I thought I would be selling. I thought it was just going to live on the wall and, you know, give the aesthetic, but it's moving. I got gaps on my wall right now. Dope. All right. Well, Brian, thank you so much for joining us for this month's um, Community Wise podcast. We Hope to see you soon. And I'm sure we are going to think of some ways that Liz can partner with you. And I don't know, maybe we should have you as a pop-up at our, our 40th anniversary. We, we, we turned 40 this year. So oh, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm very comfortable in the pop-up space now. Okay. Well, shoot. Here we go. We got a concept going. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Brian. We appreciate you. All right. Thank you. Appreciate All you guys. Right.